0: People's History of Kansas City is supported by Kemper Museum of Contemporary Art. 2024 marks the 30th anniversary of Missouri's first contemporary art museum, located in midtown Kansas City with free admission, parking, and public programs. Learn more at KemperArt.org slash 30.
1: This is a People's History of Kansas City, a podcast from KCUR Studios. I'm Suzanne Hogan, and I want to start today's episode with a question. What do you know about the name of the place you live? Did you know that many place names have deep connections to Native peoples who were here before colonization?
2: It's kind of pitiful that more Americans don't know about it.
1: Heather Payne, public affairs representative for the Oto Missouri tribe.
2: Because most of the states in this country, if you actually look at it, they need to ask, where did the name of that state come from? You know, most of the rivers, location places, and that's all over America.
1: Here are a few Oto Missouri words that illustrate this point from language specialist Kenita Greenwood. Nebraska, Nibratge, is a flat water.
3: Um, and then Topeka, Kansas is Dope, like
1: because that's good potatoes where they used to dig potatoes. The Kaw Nation and Kansas people are the source behind the name Kansas City, the name of the state of Kansas and the Kaw River. But what about Missouri?
3: The Missouri Humanities respectfully acknowledges that the land on which we reside. Has cultural significance for many Native peoples.
1: Here is a recent Missouri Humanities Council land acknowledgement that lists out all the tribes who are connected to this state.
3: Including the Osage, Oto Missouri, Stock and Fox, Iowa, Kansas, Illini, Kickapoo, Peoria, Shawnee, Delaware, Sioux, Yonkershaw, and Cherokee. We are ever mindful that these peoples continue a sacred relationship with the lands we occupy and we both recognize and appreciate their integral contributions to the land we currently call home.
1: Even though there are lots of American Indian tribes connected to the state of Missouri, Missouri doesn't have any federally recognized reservations. I grew up in this state. I currently work for the University of Missouri. I like to hang out a lot on the banks of the Missouri River, which is the longest river in the country. But I've never been taught or heard anything about the Missouria people.
0: You know, back home in Missouri, everybody says, oh, the Missourias are extinct. And she said, well, that's because the experts never bother to come down here and talk to us.
1: The history of the Missouri people, how they eventually connected with the Oto and ended up in Red Rock, Oklahoma, is a story about displacement, disease, conflict, and oppression. But it's also a story about the resilience Deep spirituality, creativity, drive, and hope of incredible people.
4: The creator was an artist.
1: One of those people is Oto Missouri a storyteller Truman Daly, whose voice you hear now.
4: He gathered things and made all of this, set it up, and there's nobody around to enjoy it, nobody around to see it. So he put man on this earth. Truman really did a lot.
5: Every day spent with him was a gift.
2: We were anxious, but we were eager, and we knew that what we were doing was important. From jazz to
1: Disneyland, to being a roadman or ceremonial leader for the Native American church, you'll learn that Truman Daly's story is quite remarkable. But today's episode isn't just about him. It's about the history of the Missouri
2: people, because that's how he'd want it to be. He would want them to know about the teachings that his parents gave him and that his grandmother gave him. He would want them to know about the tribe as a whole and their history and their language.
1: How by honoring his ancestors, Truman Daly helped preserve the history of the Missouri people. Back in 1908, Kansas City biscuit businessman Jacob Luce was locked into a bitter rivalry with Nabisco when he had this idea for chocolate sandwich cookie, unlike anything on the market. The Hydrox had this, like, really elaborate laurel wreath and this really elaborate font. It was like a very baroque sort of cookie. How Kansas City created the original Oreo. That's on the podcast, a people's history of Kansas City. Before we get into the backstory of the Oto and Missouri tribes specifically, let's do a quick recap on the archaeology of the Missouri region. It's hard to know exact dates on some of this stuff, but here's the rough estimation and a summarization of a huge part of history. 20,000 years ago, this area we now call the state of Missouri was covered in ice. Then the ice receded and the Missouri Valley was formed 10,000 years later. The first peoples we know inhabited this area were the Hopewell, a prehistoric people who built mounds for religious practices and defense. From the Hopewell, there were divergent cultures. The Mississippian, responsible for the Cahokia Mound, still visible outside St. Louis today. And another, the Oniota, which it's believed that the Oto and Missouri were likely from. Made up of different clans, the Oto and Missouri people were originally believed to be part of a bigger tribe, with Iowa, Winnebago, and Ho-Chunk peoples, part of the Suan language family. But by the 1600s, the Oto and Missouri split off and started to head south and west. The two tribes were closely related to each other in custom and language, but they were still two distinct tribes. My uh, great-grandma
3: used to say, like, the Missouri just... Kind of had like a little slower gait to their speaking.
1: Kanitha Greenwood of the Oto Missouri tribe says the language they shared was called Chiwere, though there were different dialects within the language between tribes. The Oto,
3: the Missouri, and the Iwe kind of have uh, the same language, just maybe a few variations in, in the way things are pronounced.
1: In the 15 and 1600s, the Oto created settlements along the banks of the Missouri River near present-day eastern Nebraska, while the Missouria settled further east, in modern-day Missouri near the mouth of the Grand River. The Missouri people almost always stayed north of the Missouri River, while another larger tribe in the region, the Osage, mostly lived south. The Missouria were prolific bison hunters and horse breeders. They controlled the traffic and trade along the Missouri River and its tributaries with other tribes and then the incoming Spanish and French colonizers. But even their own name was influenced by these early colonizers. How do you say hi and how are you doing in Oto? Hi,
3: Tariska. How are you? It's hi? Ha ha for women. Ho for guys. There's a little difference in how the the language is spoke between the, the men and the women.
1: Kennetha Greenwood also shared with me the original pronunciation of what the Missouri people called themselves: Nutachi. Nutachi. That's pretty far from Missouri, which actually comes from a miscommunication between European colonizers and some of the native guides who were with them on their early journeys to this area.
0: People think, "Oh, Missouri means muddy water." No, it means people of wood canoe.
1: Mike Dickey is author of the book, The People of the River's Mouth, In Search of the Missouri Indians. He's also the site administrator at the Arrow Rock State Historic Site in north-central Missouri.
0: The original name for the Missouri River was Pecatanwy, and that translates as muddy water in the Algonquin language of the Peoria. So, so we're ba- they were basing the names on what the Algonquian, how the Algonquian and Peoria were pronouncing it, but the Missouri uh, called themselves Niotachi, means dwell where the river forks or joins.
1: Mike says in 1673, French missionary and explorer Jacques Marquette was making his way down the Mississippi River with Peoria guides when they reached the point where the Pequotanly, A.K.A. the Missouri River, connects to the Mississippi. Marquette wrote in his journal that it was a terrifying experience. It's just
0: making this horrendous noise and discharging all this muddy water into the Mississippi and whole trees are coming out into the Mississippi. And he just talks about what a dangerous and a scary situation it is.
1: So Marquette asked his Peoria guides.
0: He said, well, who who lives up on that river? And they reply, uh, o Missouri. And it roughly uh, translates or in his interpret as people of wood canoe versus people on the Mississippi that might use a bark canoe because the Mississippi was generally calmer water, whereas the Missouri was turbulent.
1: So it gets written down as o Missouri.
0: And eventually through the years it got corrupted down to uh, Anglicized to Missouri.
1: Mike Dickey has spent a large part of his life researching and connecting with American Indian tribes in our region to help document these lesser known parts of the story. But he's also quick to point out that he does not have indigenous heritage. When he first started researching his book about the Missouri people, he was told that they were extinct and pretty much good luck trying to find out anything more. But after visiting the oto Missouri Reservation in Red Rock, Oklahoma, he discovered not only was that not true, but there was so much more to the story.
0: And I learned that there were indeed several families that say, we are Missourias.
1: There are no longer any full-blooded Missouria, but there are still many who claim Missouri heritage. And Mike Dickey got to talk to many of them on those trips.
0: You know, back home in Missouri, everybody says all oh, the Missourias are extinct. And she said, "Well, that's because the experts never bother to come down here and talk to us."
1: Back in the 1700s, the Missouria were diminished to almost nothing after contracting smallpox through contact and trading with the Spanish and French, and after a detrimental ambush on the Missouri River from the Sac and Fox tribe, it almost completely wiped out their population.
0: The Massacre was so bad that the Missouri then divided.
1: By the 1800s, out of survival, the Missouri tribe dispersed, the majority joining the neighboring Oto, while the rest joined the Osage and Kansas. The Oto Missouri were actually the first American Indian tribe to meet up with Lewis and Clark on their expedition west up the Missouri River in 1804. In 1821, the state was admitted into the Union and named Missouri. This was years after the Newtachi, or Umasure as they'd come to be known, had already dispersed into neighboring tribes. But Mike Dickey says the rest of the century to follow, European colonizers and American settlers were not that concerned about understanding deeper parts of American Indian culture or history. The 1800s was a century of forced Indian removal, assimilation, and genocide. With the Indian Removal Act of 1830, tribes were forced from the East Coast into the Kansas Territory, and remaining indigenous peoples in Missouri and Kansas were forced into treaties and pushed off of their homes. It was the Trail of Tears. Allotment and assimilation was the government policy. The Otto, Missouri people were eventually forced to a reservation on the Big Blue River in southeast Nebraska. But they were not allowed to hunt for buffalo or practice any of their customs. They watched, acre by acre, as their land was sold away.
0: It's sad how much has been erased deliberately. But at the same time, I'm always amazed that I've learned how much has survived.
1: In 1881, the tribe was moved to Red Rock, Oklahoma, where the tribal headquarters remains today. At the time, Oto, Missouri children were taken away from their parents and sent to government boarding schools to, quote, become civilized, learn English. They were punished in school if they didn't do things, quote, the white way. Oto, Missouri Kanitha Greenwood recalls the effects this had on her own great-grandmother.
3: My mom used to get my, try to get my great-grandma to speak to my sisters, and, I, and uh, she was
1: like, no, I don't want them to get in trouble when they're in school. It was official government policy through the early 1900s into the 1930s to stifle out American Indian culture, until the Indian Reorganization Act of 1934, which aimed to give back more Native autonomy. But Mike Dickey believes oppression continued well into the 1970s, until the passage of the American Indian Religious Freedom Act. Others argue that suppression and oppression are still very much with us today. That brings us to why Truman Daly was so important. He and other tribal elders had the ancestral wisdom and foresight to not only share their oral history when they did, but speak and share their native language despite ongoing attempts to suppress it. It wasn't always easy, but he persevered. You know, some people believe if you don't speak your language
3: anymore, you cease to um, be, you know, who you are.
0: I met Truman Daly once. They had a drum, sang some some songs, and uh, he gave an opening speech. And basically, as I recall, he talked about Feeling like he was home because this is where his ancestors had been
1: for centuries. The music you're hearing is from the Oto Missouri tribe.
4: The creator was an artist.
1: And this is Truman Daly from the documentary Peyote Road.
4: So, one of the major things they started to do was to give thanks, pray, and they realized that. Their very existence depended on what nature had in store for them.
1: Truman Washington Daly was born in 1898 on the Oto Missouri Reservation in Red Rock, Oklahoma. He was also known as Soaring High and White Horse. He had Oto, Missouri, and Iowa heritage, making him a fluent Chiwere speaker. Truman's father also spoke English and was a tribal interpreter. When Truman was young, he was sent to Haskell Indian Boarding School, where he learned English. And when World War I broke out, Truman was sent to serve.
5: He got in the troop train on November 10th, 1918, and um, I think he was gone for a few hours and the (laughs) armistice was signed. The troop train turned around and he went back home.
1: Laurie Stanley worked with Truman on a biography of his life. Timing kept Truman from serving overseas, but there were a lot of American Indians who did serve in World War I, even though many weren't even technically recognized as U.S. citizens at the time. Being a warrior, protecting their homeland, was deeply ingrained in their culture. And American Indian service in the armed forces continues to be one of the highest percentages of the population enlisted per capita. In 1918, when the armistice was signed, and Troops and Truman were sent home. An Oto Missouri woman wrote a song about the importance of the flag. She then gifted the song to the tribe, a major point of pride for many Oto Missouri who claimed that this song was the first national anthem, as the Star Spangled Banner wasn't adopted until
4: 1931. And the words go like this.
1: This is a recording of Truman Daily when he was much older, talking about the words in the song.
4: The, one, it to that.
1: the quality of the tape is kind of bad, so it's hard to hear. But Truman has tribal member Richard Rubidoux sing the song because apparently he didn't think his voice was very good.
4: So, Richard will sing that song for you now.
5: was well aware that there, weren't, there were no longer very many people around with whom he could have a conversation in his mother tongue.
1: Truman, in his older age, had become one of the last fluent Chiweri speakers, which is what brought anthropologists Lori Stanley and Jill Greer to Truman in the late 1980s and 90s, when they were both graduate students at the University of Missouri. That's when they recorded this video of the flag song. And started documenting this
2: fading language and Truman's life. It was important to realize that, you know, he was a, a human being. And he had, you know, growing up, he had the same, you know, doubts and fears and, and uh, concerns as everyone else. Truman was raised in both a tribal and a white world.
1: He played football, attended Oklahoma A&M College. He played the coronet and marching
2: band, like jazz. He dated... Uh, non Indian girls, which his parents did not like at all. Anthropologist Jill Greer says he used to joke about what it was like
1: to learn the waltz, dancing cheek to cheek. What a strange custom it was.
2: He joked about a lot of things, actually. He had a big supply of jokes. Do you want to share one or? Oh, sure. Well, I think because it was a linguistic kind of a joke about bilingualism, uh, I liked the one about um, the Navajo man who had a blind horse. And uh, the horse was a beautiful animal. So, uh, you know, he, he didn't put the animal down or anything. He, the, he, he was taking care of it. And some white guy goes around and says, oh my gosh, that's a beautiful horse. You know, would you sell it to me? And uh, the man's like, no, he don't look so good. And the guy's, no, he looks good to me. He looks good to me. I wanna buy him. And he bothered him and bothered him. And the, the Navajo kept saying, he don't look so good. And finally he gave in and he said, uh, he let the man take it and he you know, took the money. And a day or two later, the man came back and he said, you sold me a blind horse. And the guy said, I told you, he don't look so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Truman was
1: deeply raised in the Oto, Missouri culture with his ancestors' teachings and traditions. Eventually, he met and married his wife, Lavina, who was the daughter of one of the founders of the Native American church. Jill Greer explains that the Native American church came out of the forced assimilation of tribes on reservations
2: and the vision of a Comanche man named Quanah Parker. After the Comanche had to give up hunting the buffalo when the buffalo were exterminated and their horses were taken away from them and they were forced to to settle down on reservation lands. And Quanah Parker became a successful rancher. And uh, at some point in time, he had been healed by an an Apache um, curandero, a a medicine woman, and peyote was the uh, herb that she used to help him heal. The Oto Missouri were
1: actually the first to legally incorporate the Native American church within their tribe. The church blends elements of Native American culture and Christianity. It's all about faith, hope, charity, and love. They believe in the Great Spirit and believe all plants were created by the Great Spirit as a gift. They use peyote, a small cactus that has mescaline, which has natural psychedelic properties, as a sacrament. For many years, Truman was a roadman for the Native American church, guiding ceremonies and all-night prayer sessions across the country. He and his wife were very well-known and revered members in the church nationally. In the 1950s and 60s, Truman and Lavina also spent a lot of time in California, where Walt Disney himself hired Truman to work at Disneyland in Frontierland at the Indian Village, dressed as Chief Whitehorse.
2: He loved this job, and he even got to meet some famous people. Pearl Bailey would come talk to him and have conversations because she had some native heritage of her own, and she was always interested in it. He thought of his job as being an ambassador for his
1: people. He loved the opportunity to depict Native people differently than the way they were being portrayed in popular cowboy and Indian TV shows of the time. Truman also just enjoyed entertaining and connecting with people. He'd talk with tourists from all over the world and even have his picture taken with them. Walt Disney took notice, too. Walt Disney actually stood up for him. Jill says that Walt supported Truman's involvement in the Native American church. Truman had become a vocal advocate for Native American ceremonial rights. Eventually, he testified before Congress for the use of feathers and other natural objects in Native ceremonies, in opposition to the migratory bird law. He also testified to help pass the American Indian Religious Freedom Act of 1974. But in the 1980s and 90s, the use of peyote as a sacrament was becoming a bigger issue.
2: It's still gone through different legal issues because a peyote is classified as a narcotic, which, of course, it's not a narcotic um, any more than marijuana is a narcotic. In a
1: 1990 Supreme Court case, Organ v. Smith, Alfredo Leo Smith, a member of the Native American church, was denied unemployment benefits because he was fired from his job for testing positive for mescaline, that psychoactive compound found in peyote. The ruling on the case brought up growing concerns about religious freedoms. And Truman Daly stood up again, calling for an amendment to the American Indian Religious Freedom Act to allow peyote to be used by Native peoples for religious ceremonies. It was finally granted in 1994.
4: If there's a perfect example of a person using peyote all his life, well, I think I'm one of them.
1: This documentary, Peyote Road, talks all about it. It's where these recordings of Truman come from.
4: I feel like I would die for it. It's meant much to me in my life. My folks used it. And I find spiritual guidance. Like I said, now I'm going to be 94 years of age.
1: He said he would die for it. So striking. Laurie Stanley and Jill Greer met Truman when he was in his 90s. His wife, Lavina, had just passed away. They didn't have any kids. And Truman recognized that certain aspects of his culture and language were in danger of being lost. So he agreed to help document the Chiweri language for the project.
5: What it became was more of a, a kinship relationship. And there was a point in time when he began to refer to us as granddaughters and asked us to call him grandpa
1: Grandpa Truman as he was known by many in his community invited Jill Greer and Lori Stanley to ceremonies they also documented Truman talking about his family different creation stories the importance of song and faith as a result Truman was offered an honorary doctorate from the University of Missouri for his work on the project Lori Stanley says receiving their degrees on the same day was a very special memory for her every moment spent with him a gift. And she's forever grateful for all the moments they spent together. She hopes to someday complete the biography that they'd been working on together in some form.
5: And I just hope that um, when his story in full is finally more widely available, that it will be a gift to many other people as well.
1: Truman unfortunately passed away before they were able to finish. He died in 1996, when he was 98 years old. It's now been 25 years since Truman Daly died. And most people in Missouri don't know his name. But his wish, that the stories of his ancestors and his language be preserved, has continued on. By the younger generation, he helped inspire. We've been put in a special place to be able to try and carry
3: this language on, you know, to another generation.
1: One of the most important changes happened about ten years ago when the Oto Missouri tribe officially put together the Oto Missouri Language Department. Kennetha Greenwood has been working with them from the beginning. We're probably the last generation to actually be able to grow up
3: hearing the language being spoke conversationally and being able to hear
1: how things were said and the the rhythm of the language. Remember, Kenitha's great-grandmother was hesitant, even fearful to speak to her in Chiwere when she was a kid, but not her grandmother. Kenitha recorded her grandmother sharing the meaning behind words and church songs. Any time that you can use your language, it's being carried on. And she says it's made a huge difference to have an actual language department, where all these different resources from tribal elders, like her grandmother and Truman, can be shared. It's had a ripple effect. You hear
3: people saying hi to each other in Oto or how are you doing, which, you know, you didn't really hear not too long ago. Hello, I'm Kenita Greenwood
1: and my Indian name is Nikomi. The language department now offers classes for kids, high schoolers and adults, where they play games and share stories. They post words of the day on social media, have a YouTube channel, where they share recipes and bits of history.
3: And today I am honored to be sharing with you the Oto War Mothers Blanket, recognizing them as the first Native War Mothers chapter.
1: Taylor Moore is the director of the language department. We're hearing the language a little bit more on campus. Um, Even whenever they're just joking around with us in the language department, we always say a lot of Oto words as as we're speaking. We kind of they call it code switch, you know, going back and forth between English and Oto. But it's still been a challenge. The department is sometimes piecing together parts of a puzzle of words, trying to understand some of the deeper meanings to get back to that fluent conversational rhythm that was lost when elders like Truman Daily passed.
4: Truman really did a
1: lot. Jade Rubidoux is the grandson of Richard Rubidoux, the voice you hear now. The one Truman asked to sing the Oto Missouri a flag song that Lori Stanley and Jill Greer helped record.
4: And I always think of him as probably one of our probably our best, most knowledgeable historian in, in, in I say his time and our time today because we still use him a lot even though he's not here.
1: He's grateful that his ancestors were able to document these priceless parts of their culture. It's a resource a lot of other tribes don't have.
4: There's enough reading for for years. (laughs) If you just really sat down and gave gave it your all, it would take a long time to go through everything that we have. And I'm glad for that.
1: Jade believes they're now in a strong position to be able to continue to teach and spread their culture and language well into the future. Heather Payne, who you heard from at the very beginning of this episode, says her 13-year-old has been learning the language. And she relies on the department, and Jade specifically, like you would an internet search engine.
2: And she calls Jade Google, because whenever she wants to know the word, a word, the right word, or the meaning of a word, she goes, call Google or text Google. I'm like, who is Google? Jade, he knows all the Oto words. He's my Oto Google. So I want to thank them because they've really spent years dedicated to teaching this language. And, and they're, oh, don't get emotional. And they're going to be the future. You know, they're, what they're teaching the kids is going to be what's left. So thanks, guys.
3: <laughs> Way to put it on
1: us. Right on. Truman Daly might be gone, but everything he stood for is still very much alive. A People's History of Kansas City is a production from KCUR Studios with the support of the Mid-Continent Public Library. A special thanks to this episode to the oto Missouri, tribe in Red Rock, Oklahoma, historian Bill Worley, the State Historical Society of Missouri, and the Oklahoma Historical Society. Plus, KCUR's Mike Russo, Byron Love, Mackenzie Martin, Krista Henthorne, Cody Newell, Ron Jones, Barb Shelley, and Lisa Rodriguez. If you want to get in touch, we have a Facebook group. Just go to kcur.org slash People's History Group. Or if you want to send me ideas, feedback, or whatever, you can shoot me an email, suzanne, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E, at kcur.org. Music this episode from the Otoe, Missouri, tribe, and Blue Dot Sessions. I'm Suzanne Hogan. Take care, and thanks for listening.